Welcome to the Joyfulness Broadcast. So I'm dog sitting Molly. Little Molly Beans who's in the <laughs> She's <laughs> So I'm 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 in my study chair and I just turn around to see where Molly is and she's just sitting like a human uh on the sofa. So you might hear her crying in the background. She is a bit of an anxious dog, she does cry a bit. I was with her just downstairs and started to be rather infuriated, like a really vicious, vicious anger was just arising. Um, Molly was just being herself as she usually is, you know, she doesn't really have any sense of boundaries. <laughs> um, so she's a perfect dog to to be this teacher into myself, this mirror into myself. So as she was being herself, as she normally is, there was particularly vicious anger coming up. I'm talking just a couple minutes ago. And so I just let it come up. I let it come up. I even sort of played into it. Like I let it come up and played into it. Um, and I, I was actually rather surprised, you know, because we hear or I hear, I heard about the unconscious and the stuff that we don't we aren't aware of but to really experience it for ourselves in the moment it's quite surprising um yeah beyond expectations and anything we can conceptualize because it's really helpful to conceptualize and to to deepen now just in our understanding even intellectually certain concepts familiarize ourselves with them like, for example, it's really helpful to familiarize ourselves with this notion that, there you go, those are cries, that there are things that we're not aware of. To just hear about that and to familiarize ourselves with that conceptually is really helpful. But then it goes to a certain point where we start moving beyond the conceptual into the experiential. And so that's what happened with Molly. Um, there was, I could really feel that anger. Like, I'm sure intellectually I could see how there might be more feelings within that I haven't yet um, dealt with or haven't yet become aware of but experientially that was really the first time I experienced that sort of anger that sort of viciousness uh, and so that was really cool it was really cool and like I'll be honest that anger was ready to like rip <laughs> to like rip her throat out <laughs> it sounds very vicious but that's because it is and so now I can see what Hawkins uh, was talking about um, when he was t so Hawkins David Hawkins for those listening for the first time or something like that who haven't heard previous episodes in this podcast I mentioned a lot about Hawkins David R. Hawkins work because that is just my particular path and that's my teacher Hawkins and in the lecture series he talks about the ego being the animal it's being our, our animal and this animal is vicious and it is still living in the jungle and so I just uh, saw what he meant by that <laughs> um, because it truly does and it truly does want to kill and rip out people's throats just because they don't listen or they don't do what we want like to be honest that's within us all <laughs> and it is a a fun discovery to make a fun discovery if we see that the ego is just our animal uh, inherited animal you know we're humans we have an animal brain still pri primarily an animal brain so having that understanding 
makes it a fun discovery. Without that understanding, without the understanding that our ego is this animal nature of ours that we have inherited, what happens is we call that sin and we get all guilty about it and we say, oh my goodness, how could that be within me? But that's actually coming out of an ignorance um, about the true nature of it. And the true nature is that we are a primitive animal. We've got this primitive animal inside of us and like I was just sharing, it would kill someone, tear off their throat just because they don't listen to you. Just because you want something, they don't want it. It's going to kill them. <laughs> like, seriously, isn't that insane? That's so cool. Um, anyway, but of course, the main thing is that we don't have to act on it. So we're not defined by this part of us. It's something we all inherit. Something that is common amongst all humans. We all have this. We can then choose how we deal with it. Like, that's up to us. Do we deny it? Do we position ourselves against it? Do we say it's an enemy? Do we say it's sin? Do we feel guilty about it? Or do we accept it? Do we seek to understand it deeper? Uh, do we laugh about it? These are choices that are up to us. And people choose really differently. Like for most of the time, the primary choice that was made by most people is to just hate it. To hate it, make it an enemy, to call it sin, make it wrong, um, and moralize about it. That's been the pro- popular choice. Now, it's not that there's bad or good choices. It's just... There's choices that uh, contribute to peace and those that don't. And making an enemy out of our innate animal nature certainly does not contribute to peace. Definitely not. Um, But understanding it, and once we understand it, we're able to laugh about it. um, After the fact, I mean, during the intensity of that anger, it was quite difficult for me to laugh at it. But when it passed, now it is, when I reflect on it. Um, we can laugh at it and we can make it our friend or our pet, our pet. Anyway, those are some helpful things, I think. And there's some cool stuff about anger. So there's some cool stuff about anger because the question arises, well, where does that anger come from? Where does that viciousness, why is it so vicious? Like, why was that anger that I was experiencing so vicious? What comes to mind for me, because I've been bringing this up, Um, to mind uh, recently and I have heard a few things and it's all coming together slowly for me but my current understanding is and the way I currently see it is the anger is only there due to a fear so I'll give you an example Um, when I'm walking my dog uh, and she's not doing something so the Molly isn't my dog Molly is a dog I dog sit Bonnie is my dog she's a schnauzer Molly's a big Big doggo, big doggo. She's quite difficult to walk, but Bonnie is a very cute little schnauzer. Very easy to walk because she's not quite as strong and buff as Molly. Anyway, when I walk Bonnie, I notice that if she doesn't do something, there is an like there's an anger. Not all the time, but particularly located um, in situations that might be seen dangerous. Like I was walking her at the park, and there was a big um, big like mower, lawn mower machine thing, not like a handheld lawn mower, but like a big truck that mows the grass, like industrial scale stuff. And Bonnie was off leash, so I really wanted her to listen to me, so she wouldn't go near the near the truck because it had like a whole thing of razors. I didn't want her to go next to the razors. And so I got angry. There was an anger that came up when she didn't listen and she was doing it herself. And I noticed the anger was like, oh, and then I just 
sort of looked at it and saw it actually had to do, just through honesty, I saw that it had to do with a fear. Um, it was actually just the fear of losing, of losing Bonnie, the fear that she might get hurt, that she might die if she's near that. That, that was the source, was the true source of that anger. Because if that fear wasn't there, there wouldn't be that anger. There'd just be peace, there'd just be a calm, maybe a conviction, but not anger. So that is how I've seen recently that the source of anger is fear. And so if, if I go back and reflect upon this vicious anger that arose within me, I would say that the, the intensity of that anger reflects uh, the intensity of the fear underlying it. If I had to guess, I'd say that that fear is a fear of non-existence. The fear of no more experiencing. No experiencing at all. And that fear brings up this anger as a means of protection, I would say. That vicious animal protecting itself. It's like the vicious animal that's cornered. And when it's cornered, it's just it just gets really out of out of fright and out of fear, it's going to attack anyone that comes near it. Um, and it's going to be very agitated, very, like, enraged if it's cornered like that. So, like the wolf that's cornered or something like that. Um, and when that fury of fear, of anger and fear, ultimately fear, comes up, it's really difficult to think rationally. Like, rationality doesn't play a part. So, I'm coming to see that the really big challenge, the really big um, mistake, is, is saying things should have been differently to the, what they were, or mixing up contexts. So, for example, right now, in a cool and calm, collected um, mindset or mind space or sort of uh, state, Cool, cool, calm, collected state. It's very easy to say, yeah, okay, for, well, when Molly was doing her stuff, to be like, yeah, well, I mean, what's there to be angry about? Like, she was just being herself. But in that enraged state, it was really enraging. Not because of Molly, not because anything she did, but because of that anger within. And we we tend to, I know I certainly tend to mix those things up. We we say when we're having difficulty understanding where someone is coming from and why they're making the decision or that they make, or when we're having difficulty empathizing and having compassion for someone, in my experience, that's coming from an inability to really be in their shoes, to really look at life from their shoes. Not conceptually, but more emotionally, to really feel into where they are coming from. And if we feel into where that person is coming from, we would have nothing but compassion for them. We have nothing but compassion for them. Because we would be experiencing what they are experiencing, and therefore we'd see that that, wow, okay, the way they're, what they're choosing is just reflecting this. And in a certain, to a certain extent, they can't really help 
or choose anything other than this. But conceptually, it's really difficult to conceptualize that. I mean, it's possible, but it's a lot easier to really step into the shoes, to open ourselves up to how someone's feeling, feel into it ourselves, and that leads to an understanding. And a way we can, um, at least a way that I have, a way that I have empathized with people more often these days is to just open myself to it and to get curious to genuinely get curious. It's only really recently that I've been able to genuinely get curious about how people are feeling, about why they see the world the way that they do. I was certainly curious with myself to a certain extent, but not with other people yet. But that's something that's emerged spontaneously with the help of loved ones. So, yeah, I thought that would be some some helpful some helpful stuff to share about anger. So if we make this real for you, which I like to do, if we make this real for you, uh, I invite you to look at or invite an awareness upon any areas within yourself where you feel anger or frustration. And instead of judging that, to simply notice it, to just recognize it, and rather than judging it, to get curious with it, because we can't really get curious with something and judge it at the same time, because judgment has a lack of curiosity for truth. When we judge something, we say, I know what it is, or we stick a label on it, bad, good. Um, but when we get curious with something, curious to know the truth of it, just for the sake of knowing the truth for, of it, for nothing other than that, then we open ourselves to really exploring it, to really looking at it in ways that we haven't yet, in deeper ways. So I invite you to to actually ask, where is this coming from? Where is this anger coming from? Where is this frustration coming from? And find within yourself the answer. Because it's already there. The answer's already there. It's just waiting for you to be interested in it. In my experience, that's pretty much how it is. That the answers are always in plain sight, but it just takes a willingness to actually see them, to recognize, to move through whatever might be standing in the way, whether it be fear, frustration, arrogance, pride, whatever's in the way, moving through it and finding that curiosity to really understand things as they are because everything is the way it is anyway whether we understand it or not it's just that when we understand it we have peace and we're able to live happy lives but when we live in ignorance and in all the stories made up by the mind we tend to be living quite far separated from peace, calm, joy, uh, and humility. 
but when we really open ourselves to understanding things, naturally compassion, joy, peace, all these all these qualities arise naturally of their own effortlessly. That's really cool, isn't it? Effortlessly. Yeah. So that's something cool to consider. To get curious with what what those fear fears are. And also what's also helpful is to remember that this anger, this fear, whatever the feeling is and whatever its intensity is, that's just how it is. Okay, so it's that way. And then we ask, well, where is that coming from? And that, those questions lead us to uncover that this is what we can call the ego. It's our animal, inherited animal nature, this intense feelings that all seem to revolve around survival. They all revolve around survival. Revolve around having things our way is what you'll notice. Anytime things don't go our way, there seems to be quite a strong emotional response. So on the one hand, when things don't go our way, it seems like a curse. But actually, that is the greatest opportunity that we could be presented with in this life is things not going our way because that is what faces us directly face to face with this inner animal nature not as a concept not as an idea but as our experience as our lived experience in that moment and that's when we we start to realize like wow that's an intense animal inside (laughs) as a vicious vicious animal and see it's always there but when we become aware of it now it loosens its grip over us and we become the master we become the loving master and we begin to be able to train it and to teach it and to love it as it is rather than deny it or not see it. And that way it just operates. It pulls our strings from the shadows. Um, but when we bring our light, the light of awareness, it now we take ownership of it and we're able to settle it, to settle everything or to to let it live in light of our loving awareness. Because within the loving awareness, when the anger arose towards Molly, it it wasn't acted upon. It wasn't acted upon because it it didn't match up with, with love. So even though it was there, even though the anger was there, experientially it was there, I was aware of it, it wasn't acted upon because it was in the light of loving awareness. But when something's not in the light of loving awareness, we tend to act on it, rationalize it, project it, blame others for it, make it, justify it, justify it. That's a big one. So the process seems to be one of gentle awareness and just being willing to have the courage to bring whatever is within us up to the light of our loving awareness and of course there is the fear that we all face at one point of being consumed by negative feelings there's this idea that if we bring it up within us it's just going to consume us But it's actually the other way around. If we don't bring it up to the loving 
light of loving awareness, then it consumes us. But as we bring it up to awareness, it loosens its hold and dissolves. So that illusion is there to, to protect that part from arising in awareness. It's a defense mechanism of the ego. And that's something that also helps to be aware of. And we can also ask ourselves whether we want to live with anger. Whether we want to live with an anger that we're not aware of. Or whether we want to invite all anger. Was this episode specifically about anger? Whether we want to invite all the anger within us up to awareness. Because if we invite something, if we invite anger up within us and all the anger is gone, then there won't be anything left to come up. But if we invite anger within us and there's some, there's still some left, but we're not aware of it yet, then eventually it will come up within us into our awareness. And in that awareness, it will dissolve in love. And so that way, in, there's actually no loss. There's no loss in inviting anything to awareness. It only seems like a loss, but it's not really. The only loss we face is coming from the unwillingness to look deeply into ourselves and uncover the true motivations of our choices. That is the greatest loss we have. That is a loss that is a massive loss of enjoyment and peace. Massive loss of a potential gain of enormous magnitude, which we lose out on every time we're unwilling to look at something. And it's okay to be unwilling to look at something. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's not conducive of peace and enjoyment of life. It only generates suffering to some degree. And finish with a cool, cool realization um, about peace. The nature of peace to me is when we have no more questions left about anything and when everything is obvious and clear to us, to, to awareness, to, to awareness. So in that state where everything is clear and obvious, there can be only peace. So if there is still a question left, then there's more to ask. And how do we get to the questionless state where everything is clear? Well, by asking questions <laughs> until all is revealed. And so that's really fun. That's really the fun process of just continuously opening ourselves to questioning everything we hold dear. That's all that's necessary is just to question everything we hold dear. <laughs> and continuously let go, continuously find a greater and greater willingness within us 
to look deeper than ever before. And through this process, eventually it will lead us to an undisturbed peace. And as last words, during this process, it's all in the journey, it's all in the process. The outcome, if there is an outcome, there's not, there's not much point focusing on, on, the, on the what's to come, because when it will come, it will come, and it will be as it will be. But if we try to think about how it might be without actually having experienced it yet, that's just imagination. What's the point of that? We just bring ourselves unnecessary anxiety in focusing on what we don't have yet, we're, we're just going to suffer. But if we just continuously bring our attention to all the opportunities that are in front of us right now, that's where we find the enjoyment of life. To all, all that we already have, the more we focus on everything we already have, the awareness, the insight, the existence. I mean, we all exist. That's a great enough gift <laughs> to ponder for a long time. The more we ponder the things and reflect upon and notice everything we already have and already are, the more enjoyable everything is and the more rapidly all obstacles to peace melt. So as a final takeaway, I'll summarize that with be process-oriented. <laughs> Being process-oriented is a lot more enjoyable than being outcome oriented when it comes to peace and happiness because peace comes from being at peace with everything and if we're thinking about things that aren't here yet or what might be or we have all these imaginations why do we have these imaginations well because we're discontent we're not content with what is and so so long as we're not content with what is we're not at peace and so we can come to peace with not being content with what is and melt everything in a warm hug of acceptance. Hopefully those words made sense. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.